Welcome to Improving Intimacy, a podcast to help single and married Latter-day Saints strengthen their family connections and marriages. Daniel A. Burgess is the host of Improving Intimacy. Daniel's a marriage and family therapist, father, husband, and author. Here's Daniel on this episode of Improving Intimacy. Welcome to another episode of Improving Intimacy. Today we have Liz on the phone. And we're going to explore her journey to healthy sexuality and how she improved her intimacy in her relationship. Liz, welcome to the show. Thanks. Well, let's give the audience some background information on you. I think uh, that always helps the audience understand who we're listening to and the context of the information that's provided. Uh, So Liz, tell us a little about yourself, maybe some uh, family details, uh, if you're married, how many kids, your status or activity in the church. Tell us a little bit about sure. yourself. Sure. So, okay. Um, I am in my mid-30s, and I've been married for 15 years. Um, I was raised in the church. I have pioneer ancestry on both sides of my family, and we're multi-generational church members and churchgoers. Um, I got married in the temple. I'm a very typical Mormon love story. Got married, got, met my husband at BYU, got married in the Salt Lake Temple. Um, and we have one kiddo, and we are still active temple recommend holding members of the church. Well, this is interesting. So what you're going to present today or talk about, uh, you reached out to me and you're interested in sharing some details about how you improved your 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 sexual relationship in your marriage that involved masturbation. So here we've got uh, a very active LDS member, temple uh, attending uh, member, and you're you discovered that masturbation helped you in your sexual relationship with your husband. Tell us a little bit about that. Help help me understand, or maybe the reconciling process that you went through and. Uh, well, I guess let's start there. Did you always view masturbation as an option within your marriage? Uh, no, we definitely did not. Okay. Um, I was, we were both raised uh, believing that masturbation was a sin and it was a big no. And I guess when we got married, we just assumed all of that transferred over into married life too. Um, you mean as a couple or individually or both? Uh, you know, we didn't specifically discuss it. It was sort of this implicit thing that both of us assumed. It was like an unwritten rule. So, so go ahead. Um, so where do you go from there here? Why did you even consider if you came into the marriage, you had this history of believing it was a sin. What made you even consider this as an option? So I kind of had this crazy time and this all, this all ties in and makes sense now that I'm past it, but I kind of went through this crazy period. It was within the last year um, where I was like, super aroused all of the time. I could not get rid of it. I don't know if there were hormones in play. Um, I do have some issues with my hormones, and so that could have been in play. Um, I also now know I've read Emily Nagoski's Come As You Are. Great, great book. And she, 
Yeah, so good. And she talks about um, reading that book really helped me put together kind of what was going on with me. We had just come out of like this intensely stressful period for our family involving moves and being separated and caring for a child um, that was not a permanent member of our family who was who was difficult to deal with. And um, we just came through this intensely stressful period. We finished the moves. The dust was kind of settling. And this whole period was really, I was really unhappy through most of that, like just really depressed, totally miserable, not nice to my kids, not nice to myself, not nice to my husband. Um, and we came through it and I was feeling better. And I was starting to feel more like myself, but I kind of had this period of weeks where on and off, but mostly on, I was just really aroused all the time. And at the time, our uh, our sex life was not super exciting. Uh, we kind of had this specific routine and it always played out in a certain way and it always was with me initiating and there was very much this sense that it was a chore for him to some extent. Not that he didn't enjoy it, but that it was like, oh, we have to do this again, you know? Um, and I guess coming up through everything, we kind of had this framing in our marriage that, and this came, I think, very much from the way sexuality was presented to us in the church. Um, you, you mean the current, but, the, the struggles that you were currently having in the relationship at, at, at that time? At that time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just through our upbringing in the church, it was sexuality was framed as belonging to your spouse, but it was something that doesn't exist until you have a spouse and then it's totally theirs. Yeah. Um, and I guess I didn't realize until later that that's what was going on. Um, but anyway, so this period of weeks, I'm super aroused all the time. At one point I finally break down and tell my husband about it. Cause I'm, I don't know why I was so embarrassed about it. <laughs> I was like, honey, I really need you to help me out with this. Um, which so do, he do, was, let me pause you there. That's, a, that's a, I appreciate that insight. And I, and, um, I'm in case there's other uh, women out there who are experiencing this. I, I'm pretty confident there are. I've worked with quite a few. Do you mind telling a little bit more? What was that embarrassment? Why do you feel like you were embarrassed about feeling this arousal? What was what was happening for you? Um, I was. I've always been a high desire person, but that's never felt like the normal thing. Um, you mean as a woman so, or as a woman? Okay. Yeah. So you were feeling as a, as a woman, uh, you were feeling embarrassed. And I was even, yeah. Because and at this point I was already like Googling high heck because this was distracting. I could not live my life. I was trying to work from home and I could not get things done. I was anxious and I was just on the edge all the time. Um, so I've been Googling like 
women with high sex drive and all these different terms. And there isn't any information about that. Very, <laughs> this very information little. does not exist on the internet. Not, not credibly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, all the information that came up, uh, actually those search terms would bring up tons of websites and information about women who were the low desire partner complaining about that their sex drive was non-existent. So I was like, why is this happening to me? And finally I was like, I have to break down and tell my husband cause I cannot live like this. Which I, so I, 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 think I, could, just I wonder if that also made you feel more embarrassed or alone, not being able to in the broad world of Google, you're not finding anybody you can relate to. Was that reinforcing the loneliness or the embarrassment? That is absolutely true. Uh huh. Uh huh. It just reinforced all those ideas of you are a freak. This is weird. It is not normal. There is something wrong with you. Wow. Um, but bringing it to my husband, he was, um, he was very understanding about it. And he did put in an effort after that to try and make sure we had sex more often. And, but it, the thing is, it didn't matter. Like it didn't matter if we had sex twice a day. I still wanted it all day long. Okay. That's, that was the question I was going to ask because everybody has a very different uh, definition or opinion of what a high and a low sex drive uh, or desire partner is. And so uh, what was the frequency of, of sex that you were having prior to uh, divulging or, or explaining to your husband that you're, you're craving more? What, what was the frequency that of sex that you were having on average, maybe per week? Um, once a week at best, once every two weeks or yeah, once every two weeks was probably more normal. So after you had the talk with your husband and it started to improve, what was the frequency at that time? Uh, it was around once a day or once every other day. And this wasn't, this wasn't, uh, fully satisfying you. Is that what you're saying? You're, you're, you're wanting more. Yeah. I was still like, it, it definitely helped. It took the edge off a little bit, but I would still find myself in the middle of the day, just like completely in the middle of arousal, just randomly. <laughs> and I couldn't, I didn't know what to do about it. That must've been frustrating. Um, it was very frustrating. Uh, <laughs> in the course of all of this, I ran across some of the Ask a Mormon Sex Therapist podcasts with Jennifer, Jennifer Finlay's wife. Jennifer is amazing. She's amazing. And I listened to a couple of them that really, none of them really hit the target of what I was looking for. Um, but I was still continuing. I started adding her name into my searches. Because I was like, okay, this is a reliable person. Like, clearly from her podcast, she's wise. She's she's very knowledgeable. Um, she also has a strong testimony to gospel, which is very evident um, in, in those podcasts. And I came across, it's some kind of a blog post or written document. And there are two of them on it. There's Jennifer from Lace and Tice and one other uh, female LDS ex-therapist. And I do not remember her name, unfortunately. 
a sex therapist. They wrote a post that was maybe, yeah. maybe Natasha, the Mormon therapist. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly can't remember whose names That's were fine. on it. What, what was um, the the post talking about, and was it helpful? Um. Yeah. So the, the post was titled something like "Our Stance on Masturbation." And it was very thorough and went through the history of the church's stance on masturbation. Um, you know, I'll see if I can email you a link to it because I think I probably have it in my email somewhere. I, but, I, I um, think, are you, are you referring to my blog post? No. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't think so. Maybe, maybe I didn't know who you were at that point. <laughs> and so, um, no, no, it was written by Jennifer and this other woman. And both of them kind of gave their views. And they were like, we don't want to contradict the brethren, but <laughs> we think masturbation is okay. We think it's part of having a healthy sense of sexuality and a healthy sex life. We think it's part of normal human development. And I guess that was like, I guess it was the permission that I needed. I cried. I honestly read that post and I cried. Um, you felt like it was and, an answer to like, your prayer. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I will not say that I had never masturbated before. I had before when I was like a teenager a couple of times, but Oh, it was in the days when that was specifically prohibited in the for the strength of youth pamphlet. And I was guilt riddled and went to my bishop and it was like a whole thing. And so as an adult, I just abstained from doing it. And, um, but during this period, like of weeks before I even got to this blog post, there were a couple of times that like, I was so aroused. I didn't need to like do much <laughs> to bring myself to orgasm. Like I didn't have to make direct contact. I could just rock the right way in my seat. And there I was. Yes. Um, so I did do that a couple of times over the course of those weeks. Um, and, and I didn't feel guilty about it really. So I, uh, it sounds like you were reconciling, uh, you know, you had these experiences as a youth having to confess and repent of, uh, discovering your sexuality. And, um, it was more of now you read it. And by the way, I think I found it. It is by Jennifer Finlinson Fife and Natasha Parker. Um, and they go through okay. very similar what you're talking about. This was back in May 7th of 2015. Gosh, I don't think I've read this particular article, but very, very similar to everything else I've read by them. But yeah, kind of their declaration mm -hmm. of, of, you know, masturbation's a yeah. normal, healthy thing. And you're now discovering in that as you're pursuing this, trying to figure it and reconcile it in your marriage, this was that information that you're craving for and understanding. So that guilt was essentially swept away. So you weren't struggling with it. It was. Right. It was. And it, it still wasn't like, it wasn't like a full blanket permission because then when I went forward with that, um, I still was like praying, like, is this okay? Is this really okay? Am I really okay? <laughs> um, were you asking that just uh, to yourself or were, were you in prayer or, uh, with your husband or, or it was all in, the it other? It was some of both. It was in prayer mainly. Like, and the feelings I got were just, you're fine. Like, there is nothing wrong. You're doing great. 
Um, and so, yeah, for a period of what I realize now after reading that Emily Nagoski book is, um, I was, I'm a person with like a strong accelerator and weak brakes. And so anxiety increases my desire. Yes. And so I've kind of gotten into this like cycle that I couldn't break myself out of where I had this desire. It made me anxious and that amped up my desire. (laughs) And, uh, and then I was more anxious and then it was just like this constant pile on this vicious cycle that, Um, that wouldn't end, huh? Yeah, it was torture. It honestly was torture. I was tortured. I was so anxious and so on edge. I could not function. Um, and so finally, when I was like, you know what? This is okay, and I'm going to do it. And I hadn't talked to my husband about it at that point. Um, but I think that same day after I read it and went ahead and just started masturbating when I felt like I needed to, um, I did talk to him about it. Uh, but he kind of saw it as like, okay. And I, I just told him, I was like, I'm doing this. I don't think it's wrong. Um, it's solving my problem. And he was like, okay. But he kind of saw it as a band-aid. Like, uh, this is something you're going to do temporarily. Oh, interesting. Until this, whatever is happening goes away. Um, so, and Liz, before you go on to, to the next part here is, is, so was it working? Did you find immediate relief and, and resolve from it? Um, it immediately helped a ton. I like that at the beginning, I was so worked up. I probably masturbated two or three times a day, most days for a week or two ish, maybe. Did you find um, that? masturbation uh, turned you away from your husband or did it turn you to, or did you have less sex with him? Was it more meaningful? Did it have, what what impact, if any, did it have on, on your sexual relationship with your husband? Honestly, it changed everything for myself and for our relationship for the better. Wow. So Um, he thought immediately it immediately impacted my, my confidence and sense of self. Um, I felt better about life and about myself than I had in years, um, which was a weird byproduct to me. Yeah. <laughs> that was very unexpected. Um, that is, and that is actually something I am seeing more and more um, as, as individuals engage in healthy sexual development and um, using masturbation as a resource in a healthy, positive way. Anxiety is reducing. Depression is reducing. I, I want to be very clear. This is not like a cure-all or anything like that. Uh, but I have seen this happen very real in people's lives, just like you explained. Come back. My goodness. Oh, and- I feel so much better about life, period. Yeah. Yes, I just felt better. I felt like myself more than I had in a long time. Um, and you're right that it isn't a cure-all. But what it was for me is the beginning of paying attention to myself and my own mental health. Um, what a wonderful discovery. But, did you did you have any, uh, even at that point, where you're, you're seeing 
it sounds like immediate results and it was very positive improving your your sexual relationship and your sexual identity were you mm-hmm. trying to reconcile what the church was saying with what you were experiencing was there or were you just like no heavenly father gave me the answer here and i'm okay going for what was there a more involved process there um, I would say recon- that reconciliation all happened before I decided to go ahead with it. And once I decided to go ahead and start masturbating, um, it made sense. probably that first day, I kind of was praying about it and was like, is this really okay? But I was very firm. By the end of the day, by the time I spoke with my husband about it, I was very firm in that decision. Like, this is good, and this is hmm. helping me, and it's okay, and... I don't, I don't feel, um, beholden, I guess, to the words of general authorities or official church documents as they were presented to me when I was, you know, 15. Yeah. So, so after a couple, uh, after a couple of weeks of doing this and your husband's realizing it's not a bandaid, what happened then? Um, so when I realized that he thought of it as a band-aid, when, when he kind of like reflected that back to me in as many words, I sent him an email and I, I included the link, a couple of links. One of them was that um, sort of declaration from Jennifer and was it Natasha, the name of the other therapist? I believe so. If um, I'm looking at the same article you read but I believe it is this, the yeah, one you're referring to. Is. Yeah. Um, and sent him some other information and I was like, honey, I, I know you may not agree with this, but this is the way I believe that this is totally okay. I'm not going to stop doing it. I am. I think it's an important part of, um, of moving forward. And of my own sexuality, and uh, that was <laughs> that was a tough email, <laughs> uh, both to write and for him to ingest. Um, but you weren't I asking was, his permission. You were you were you were no. sharing your discovery, and I think that's important. Um, mm-hmm. You had an answer from the Lord. You had a personal. Uh, inspiration, uh, insight, and you weren't asking for permission, but you were trying to share with him something that you're discovering. And so, yeah, that, that makes yeah. a lot of sense there. And so when he got it, what was his, his response? Uh, I was a little freaked because he came home. I sent it to him while he was off at work. Uh, he read it while he was gone and he comes home and he's like, I'm not, I know we need to talk about this and I'm just not ready to talk about it right now. I, um, wow. What a, I, 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 I think that was actually, a, it sounds like he wasn't yelling or anything like that. I really actually like that uh-huh. response because he's communicating. Wow. This is heavy. This is so outside of, um, forgive me. I don't mean to assume any, anything that he didn't say or, or anything, but it sounds like the way you explained it was, wow, this is, this is a lot and I need some time to think about it, but it wasn't like this, um, unhealthy yeah. interaction. Did you receive it that way or was it? Just- um, 
somewhat, but he also, um, he's one to kind of retreat sometimes. Like, if he is upset, he doesn't yell and stomp and fume. He retreats. And so I was having a really hard time reading her. I did not know if this was like an angry punishing retreat kind of thing. Um, but I did have a sense that it was more of a healthy, like, whoa, this is a lot to swallow in me sometime. Well, it, um, and on top of your anxiety around the issue, I mean, sharing with him, um, I'm, I'm sure that all compounded into a, a tense moment and, and waiting period. So how long did he need to process before you guys talked about it? Uh, so the next day when he came home from work, I was like, oh, I was completely high strung. I was just like, absolutely at the edge of my nerve waiting for his response to this. <laughs> I was very afraid of how this was going to go down. Um, in my email, though, I was pretty clear, like, you know, I'm willing to go to therapy. If you need, if we need to work through this in therapy, I'm willing to do whatever it takes if this is, because I'm ultimately changing. I'm changing the terms of our marriage, the unspoken implicit terms. Um, that we both were in agreement on, and that's big. And that was brave. So, that not only was it big, it was brave for you to engage that that discussion. That's wow. Yeah, it was. It was one of the scariest things I've ever done. <laughs> um, so he was. Uh, the next night we talked about it. We had a very long. Uh, I don't know, you can probably relate to this. There are these conversations in marriage that are just like heavy and take a long time Yes, and are exhausting. <laughs> it, was, it was definitely one of those conversations. Um, and we were up very late at night. Well, one of those three, four a.m. conversations, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we had to be up the next morning to do life, you know. Um, it was around Christmas time though. So I don't think, what, what, what was, I think maybe that, what was his fear? What was his concern? Why was this so heavy? Was he afraid that you would become some, some addict or you would end up, I mean, what was, what was happening on his, his side of this to become so overwhelming to him? So some of it was the framing that we had been brought up with for whatever reason, when we were teenagers, it was talked about fairly frequently, like in general conference and youth stuff. Masturbation is a sexual sin, and sexual sin is second only to murder, right? And so it felt like a very big deal. So did he, he um, perceive it, it in like, his mind that he was losing his in, eternal companion? Is is that is that what he was? I think that was there. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think that was there. Um. But uh, we talked a lot about it. The next morning, maybe even we woke up in the middle of the night. Um, and I'd had I'd had this dream, and of course I told him. Um, I told him how much it changed to me how good it was for me. 
and it did release like within that tension of like the high desire partner and the low desire partner and the high desire partner kind of always feeling like they're pushing and the low desire partner kind of feeling like they're always fending off. And um, it really did like dissolve that tension for us because I didn't have to take pity sex anymore. I could say, I'm going to take care of this. And if you want to help, come on over. <laughs> and great, great invitation there. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. And, um, I think as we talked about it, he started to see, um, he was able to start to see things from my, from my view and see, uh, the benefits, I guess. So was he noticing that your anxiety was down, that this was actually working for you and that there was some positive results? He was able to see that? He was. Yeah. It was very evident. Like it was one of those experiences where suddenly colors were brighter and food tasted better and life was good again. And I had a sense of my value that I hadn't had in a long time. And it was very evident. So I think that was part of what was happening. Um, And the next morning, I don't want to give you too many details about his struggle, but basically he spent most of his youth, probably like most young men his age at the time did. uh, He he masturbated all through his youth. Um, And I think there was a point where he decided I'm going to stop and I, you know, it was that shame cycle where he'd tried to stop a whole bunch of times. Um, and at some point, he was able to stop, and he hadn't done it a single time since then. Like, he honestly had not masturbated once since he'd made that decision as a young person. So older teenager, young adult, somewhere in there. He's confronting that, too. So the, the doctrinal aspect of it, and he it sounds like he fought really hard to... Uh, abstain from that. And he was very successful. So now he's got his wife saying, wow, this was like, (laughs) I taste (laughs) food better. I see colors better. Life is great. (laughs) So he's going through his own reconciling of of this information, but he can't deny the results from your end. But how does that fit into Mm -hmm. his worldview? Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was, I was clear with him. I was like, I'm okay with, I'm okay with it. If you want to do this. And I would even encourage you to go ahead. Oh, and, so, so, um, so he was actually considering trying, picking it up again or, or uh, using masturbation on, on, on his side of, of the relationship or I, I'm not sure if I follow what was, um, he wasn't necessarily, but in, in our conversations, I was like, you know, try it. <laughs> if you, if you're not sure about it, try it um and he did and ultimately this was probably a few this was a few conversations between like sleeping and waking up a few times that night like it was it was a crazy night oh it was, um, was this the same night that you were talking or, or another it was night? The same night wow mm-hmm. it was just this huge long process of it was just one of those depth of the soul kind of moments between us 
which we hadn't, honestly, we hadn't had one of those in a very long time and we needed it. And it's interesting how masturbation um, is bringing you together in all sorts of ways here. This is uh, yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah. And he went forward with it and it was, it was the craziest thing. Like <laughs> once we were both on board, it was like we were 20 years old and on our honeymoon again. Like we could not get enough to each other. Wait a um, second. So what, is what I'm hearing here is, okay, so this is uh, purely my inference here. If based on what I'm hearing, it sounded like prior to this discussion, prior to this discovery that mas- masturbation is working well for you, your mm-hmm. husband struggled with sexual desire. It was like you said, it was a chore. If it was more than maybe once a week or once every other week, it was pity sex. And he wasn't really connected with himself. He didn't understand his sexual self. Am I following you that far? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was like, it was like he, he had buried, we were both burying ourselves. Yes. In a very real sense. That's where I was kind of going with that is I'm wondering if from your opinion, from your observation, by no means am I trying to put any words in your mouth here. So, correcting me if I'm, I'm, I'm off base here. Do you think that his, uh, suppression or, or, or mm, how do we want to cut his, him stop masturbating was, uh, a result maybe of his lack of sexual desire today? Was it some sort of, what what are your thoughts around that? So he actually told me that, um, masturbating was a daily temptation for him. Like, even still into his adult life, um, it was still something he struggled with. And I think the, the version of sex was more, it was more that we had gotten into this rut. It wasn't about not wanting sex. It was about not wanting that sex. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got you. Yes. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're at this point now yeah. and, and masturbation is helping you and he started, you, you two are like you're 20 again. Um, why? Yeah. What's, what's happening there? It's what changed? Uh, differentiation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Isn't that um, So in the course of this, part of that, that conversation that night was we've dealt with some really heavy and hard stuff this year we're dealing with some really hard and heavy stuff right now. We've always felt pretty good about our marriage and felt like it was pretty healthy. Uh, but we were like, we need some guidance as far as how do we, how do we work through this stuff in a way that's not going to leave us angry at each other? Um, and so we, why, why angry at each other? You mean just with the, the trials that you're going through or, what what specifically? Yeah, part, partly was the, like, there was a recognition that there had been some breakdown in the relationship, I think, over the course of the last year or so, as, as we went through this different stuff that our family was dealing with. Okay, so we're talking about then, other stuff outside of your, your sexual... Other stuff okay. outside, but it's all kind of tied in with it. Um, and we recognized the sexual stuff as as sort of an appendage of all this other, I don't know, breakdown that was happening. Um, and so I told him about Jennifer from Lisa's wife. He listened to some of her podcasts. I continued to listen to more of her podcasts and we ultimately decided to enroll in her, um, relationship class and her sexual intimacy class online. And before we really began those, 
I had heard her talk about um, uh, the book Fashion and Marriage by David Schnarch. Yeah. Great. So, great, great. Another great resource. Yeah. So you're finding all the right stuff. Wonderful. Yeah. So I had like, as soon as I got that title in my ear, I ordered it on Amazon and had it a couple days later and I devoured that thing. Uh, my husband never finished it, but he got more than halfway through before uh, he kind of fizzled out on it. Um, but part of that was we were starting a relationship class uh, with Jennifer. And so she kind of, she's heavy on snarch. Like she uses a lot of his ideas. And we started to realize like, oh, this is about different differentiating. We were totally enmeshed by the, by the point that we got here, you know, and, and my, I guess my defining myself and saying, this is something I'm going to do. That was, that was a, a big act of differentiation. I think Schnarch says differentiation, differentiation happens first all at once and then little by little. And that's definitely how it happened. Like it was an all at once and then little by little as we live our life also. What a wonderful discovery. So you're here now. What's your relationship now with, with your husband? Um, we are in a better place than we've probably ever been relationally. Um, we're willing to have hard conversations that we weren't able to have before. Um, Our sex life is good. It's leveled off some because you can't <laughs> look like a honeymooning 20 year old forever. Um, but it's much better than it ever was on a consistent basis. And um, it's a more intimate experience than it ever used to be. And I think our, our relationship is closer and more intimate in other ways. Also, um, that's, that's a profound statement. Um, uh, intimate is such a, a meaningful and, and big term. Would you contribute that all to, well, I guess, uh, masturbation, uh, you know, differentiation. Um, what, what is, what is allowing that intimacy to occur more deeply? What would you, if you were to say one or two things that is creating that or allowing that in your relationship, and it sounds like not just in the bedroom, but for all aspects of your relationship, what would you, what would you contribute that to? Um, I think a big part of it is differentiation. Um, a big part of it is we kind of moved from this place where people culturally think you want to be in or it's like, Oh, I would die without you. You know, I can't live without you. I need you. And I don't think that's where we are anymore. I think we're in a place where we can say, I, I choose you and I love you and I want you in my life and I'm going to do what I, I'm, there's a lot I'm willing to do to keep you in my life. But if for some reason or other there comes a point when you're not there anymore, 
I'll be okay. I'll be okay because I have a, I have a self outside of you. That is huge. And I, I, I wonder if much of the audience is wondering, wait a second, the first sound more like love. The second, the latter sounds cold. But what I'm hearing is actually yeah. true love, one that you choose. Whereas the other one, yeah. the first one, sounds insecure. Yeah, because in the, the, the old way, it's, well, I chose you when you got married, when we got married. And then after that, we're stuck. And I have to have you where I can't function. And that's just not a healthy way to live your life, it no. turns out. <laughs> no, it's not a healthy way at all. Wow. So the idea of, of becoming two individuals, and, and I talk about this a lot, I, I've written about it, is this, this paradox. We fall in love with, you know, two individuals fall in love, then we become this, this ambiguous concept of one. Uh, and a lot of people take that very literal. We have to think the same way in finances and in parenting. And, and here becomes this enmeshment of thoughts and you don't, you, you start to lose who you are, but then, mm -hmm. and then that's where people feel like they're surprised they're 10 years into a marriage, 20 years into a marriage, and they don't know who they are anymore. And they're scared. It's like, how do I even love this yeah, person? Who am I loving? It's like, yeah, I don't even know who I am. But then as you separate and you become two individuals again in a marriage, you're giving somebody, you're giving your partner somebody to love and you're loving somebody else in your relationship. That is powerful. Right. And I don't think that's a concept a lot of people really understand. It's a big concept. It's very different from what we're taught. And it can be very scary for a lot of people, but that's what you end up, that uh, differentiation allows you to now choose to be with that person. And that is powerful. That's, that's your agency in action. And that's what I'm hearing from you. Is that, is that resonating? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely how it feels. Mm -hmm. My goodness. So you've, you've made this interesting journey. What would you recommend to the listeners if they're struggling with this idea that masturbation is still a sin? Um, what would you do? What, what would be your recommendation? How would you encourage them to um, understand it better? What, I mean, any other pieces of advice? Um, well, I'd say probably start where I started maybe with, uh, I think, I think that declaration from Jennifer and Natasha is really powerful. And Daniel, you have some good blog posts as well that follow. When oh, I, I came across their declaration first and then I think on Nate Bagley's podcast, I came, uh, I came across you and the improving intimacy group. And, um, and so I read your blog post, I started, you know, going through the blog posts and stuff that are pinned on that page and they were, they all resonated and we're all, I was like, Oh, there's other people saying this too. You know, this is not some isolated person who's not rogue and, and apostate and all of those words that we use to describe people who are wrong. Um, 
And yeah, I would say just start with that. Just start with reading. And honestly, try it. <laughs> try it. If you really feel bad about it afterward, don't do it again. It sounds and like a missionary commitment. You, <laughs> it kind of is. And that's honestly kind of how I got my husband into it too. Like, <laughs> Oh, that's what I was thinking about when, when you were describing it. You gave him like a total missionary commitment style offer there. It was, it was beautiful. It's, it's interesting because... You know, when I work with clients, it's very much the same thing. It's like, I, I, I'm not going to tell you what, what is right or wrong. This is important for you as an individual. If I told you what is right for you, then I would be repeating the unhealthy that you, that that's brought you to this office, right? Um, you're listening to people who are not you. And in this journey of something very personal, very private, and if you're coming here for me to give you a yes or no on this, I am just enabling the same unhealthy process. And so I provide that information. I say, take it to yourself, meditate on it, pray about it, uh, seek it out and, and, and figure it out for yourself once and for, for all, <laughs> figure it out for yourself. And yeah. what happens sometimes though is, is the training from their youth that even the feeling of arousal becomes well repulsive, maybe a strong word, but sometimes it really seems like that experience. They don't even know how to allow it to become an experience for them. Heavenly father, is this good? Because it feels so uncomfortable, weird. I've heard those words. It's weird to talk to God about my arousal. Um, or it's even weird to think about it. And so, to even get them to reflect on it individually is sometimes a challenge because of the training and the way that we're brought up. And so it, it, that sometimes is the biggest obstacle, at least what I'm, I'm noticing and seeing uh, with people I work with. That's true. And you know, for me, one thing I, one realization I came to along the way was, um, I have a, a real testimony of a lot of the commands and the way that keeping them has blessed me, uh, and the way that not keeping them has maybe affected me negatively. And this is a, and you know, I have this own, my own internal drive to keep them. And this one, it was kind of based on, well, I believe these men are called of God, therefore I believe what they say. And I really kept, I really kept to what I was told of these out of fear. I didn't want to be kept out of the temple. I didn't want to be kept from being with my family eternally. I, I was afraid. And I realized it's one of the few commandments that I've really ever kept out of fear. And that's not, that's not a good reason to to do something or not do something. No, fear shouldn't be, shouldn't be driving my decisions. And when I, when I realized that that was one of the big barriers that it kind of broke down, like, Oh, that's a bad reason. <laughs> that's a bad reason to live the way I've been living. Yeah. Yeah. God is not a, is not the author of fear. And, um, when that fear comes into, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I reflect on in, in my book is um, how 
the adversary has used fear to destroy eternal relationships. Um, and we think of that as in, you know, manipulation or bullying in marriage or um, just abuse of any kind. Uh, but sometimes it's even more subtle than that. An absence of healthy sexuality and an absence of understanding what healthy sexuality is in a marriage and how important um, the intimate physical intimate experience is within that eternal marriage. And if he can keep us silent on that, the adversary is winning. If he's able to create that fear in that relationship, I can't explore my sexual desire or I will lose my salvation. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's one yeah, way. That's, that's absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely an accurate picture to me. <laughs> what person, um, what righteous person, what person desiring to be righteous would even want to uh, tempt that line or to explore that. It's, it's like saying, I know murder is, is evil. I will never even consider it or think about it. That's how we equate it. If you engage yeah. in, in, in mess around with your sexual desires, even though it's in a healthy, controlled, uh, guided by the Lord way, you could lose everything you have. Wow, that's 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 a place I don't want to go, and so right. wow, that's a, you've you've confronted that, and you're a better person for it, which is is phenomenal. Yeah. Wow, Liz, I appreciate you sharing your story. I, I'm confident there are many listeners out there who are probably experiencing the emotions you did when you first came across those written words that gave you comfort. It's so important that we hear stories like this and know that we can explore and understand our, our bodies in the way that God intended us. And this is okay. Uh, and it will make us a better partner. It'll make us a better individual and a better follower of Jesus Christ. And I, I thank you for sharing that, I guess, testimony with us and, and uh, sharing your experience. Thank you so much, Liz. Yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. Thank you.